<laughs> Diane Armitage, <laughs> businesswoman, entrepreneur, writer, and mindset coach. Thank you for coming up. Thanks for hanging out. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Such an honor. Thank you. And you're a writer for, for Bob, you're still a writer for Bob Proctor for 25 years, right? Right, right. So how, how did that happen? How did you, he was the first person you, 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 not first person you wrote for, but somebody you started writing for, for. Right, exactly. A lot well, of years ago. Um, I met him in 1994. Uh, I was at Remax International Headquarters and we were doing a big convention. Real and estate. We, we were randomly <laughs> being, you know, assigned to the speakers and I was randomly assigned to Bob Proctor to kind of get him from place to place at the convention. And so I heard him in his keynote, and I was walking him to his workshop. And in that hallway between the keynote and the workshop, he convinced me to start my own company. Because <laughs> huh. I told him, I said, you know, I've been thinking about being a freelance writer. And so, you know, huh. he's whenever you say anything like that to Bob, he just is like, well, why aren't you just doing do it? Just do it, yeah. Just do it. So when I finally left Remax, uh, I flew up to toronto to start working with a real estate agent he was bringing me on as his marketing director and in walks bob proctor and i'm like what are you doing here and he says well, i'm talking at this guy's event and he became my second client so the day i left remax huh. the next day bob proctor became my client it was awesome you're from originally from you're from where denver okay yeah. and you met him out here in california i met bob in las vegas at a convention okay yeah and then you just a second chance in, yeah. in Canada, Canada, Toronto, Toronto. Wow. Yeah. Isn't okay. that crazy? Okay. You're like, okay. It's been the most amazing ride because, um, working with him almost daily for years and years, you just learn so many things from this man and you have so many candid conversations, you know, just above the and beyond the curriculum and the mm -hmm. seminars that we worked on together, you know? So I actually put a whole book together that's coming out later this year called conversations with Bob. And it's just the, the wacky stuff, you know, like the crazy stuff that he would tell me to do and uh, things that he would teach me that were just friends talking. It's unbelievable. I mean, my life, my life changed so dramatically in the first year of starting my own business. It was unbelievable. Mm. And it's just never, never, never looked back. Did you ever think about doing like having your own business? Uh, you, you were thinking about it and you mentioned it to him. Right. Um, but then he helped you. By meeting him, he told you, like, hey, why don't you do it? Do it. And then well, why, why do you think that happened? Why do you think you, he made you pull the trigger? You know, I, I said something to him in the hall, and he, he kind of stopped, and he looked at me, and he kind of just, like, really looked at me mm. and kind of, like, surveyed me. Mm. And he said, well, he said, you're all right. Your brain is all right. So you're definitely a writer. He says, I think you should do it. Mm. And then he just kept walking. And that was really it. It was really it. But it took me a while to get past the hump. We call it the terror barrier. Mm. So, you know, I had this job at Remax. I was making like $30,000 a year. Mm. You know, it was safe. It right. was the corporate way. Right. And um, so I stayed there for several months and even mm. waited for until the very last day to get a $500 bonus check. And then Interesting, flew, right? flew that afternoon up to Toronto. And by the end of that day, I had a $10,000 a month contract. So I went, I was holding on trying to get that $500. You know, it's amazing. Hmm. And then he was the, he was the, he looked at you, he felt, he felt it and, and advised you. And that was, that was it. That's all you needed. Yeah, it was because what? I think we all know. Like if we if we actually ask the questions of ourselves, we we have the answer, and you know we're all for expansion. Our bodies are just our bodies. We are spiritual beings, so we're always for expansion, always for expression, always wanting more. And there's nothing wrong with wanting more. What what, what do you think was holding you back when you reflecting on it now? Well, you know the paradigm of educating myself to get into this corporate world climbing the corporate ladder, making the, you know, health insurance, getting all the benefits, you know, everything that's so beautiful in that purported world when you really are giving so much control mm. to somebody else. 
And I know that a lot of people have had beautiful corporate jobs and they've loved it all their lives and they retire with great pensions and mm. all of that. For me, I love being an entrepreneur. It's like stepping off a cliff every day <laughs> and I love it because you know it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and that's the key is the more you challenge it and the more you step up to it, it's just crazy what happens in your life because you take it on, you know, yeah. it's a belief factor. Yeah. Yeah. And you get better at believing the more you try it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the similarities between like competing and fighting and then like, you know, business, it's like the same, like the same, same thing, same feeling. Really? It's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's like you're jumping off, you're stepping in a cage, you're, you go for something, you know, uh, some kind yeah. of business venture, you know. <laughs> You're right. It's like the same feeling. I can imagine. It's different, right? But it's the same. Yeah. In, the, in a lot of ways, you know, I've shared with you too as well, right? The the my when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I read Think and Grow Rich, and I really, I really took it in, and I I I, you know, I wrote my my goals down, and and that's why I moved down to Brazil, and I went down this whole path of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? Right. Um, and then you mentioned to me that Bob Proctor. How old is he now? 86. 86, and he still reads it every single day. Every day. Every single day. Yeah. This is one of the copies he gave me that he signed, which is so lovely. But uh, he figures he's, and he actually gave this to me on the 50th anniversary of him picking up the book in October. Wow. Of whatever year that was. Can you, and can you put it in front of the camera? Just, oh, yeah. See oh, just, just let me see the, the inside. Yeah. Uh, Cool. <laughs> yeah. He says, keep going by the building. At the time, we, we were talking about a condominium that nice. I wanted. Nice. So nice. I love him. He's nice. awesome. So you found Think and Grow Rich when you were a teenager. I didn't even discover it until I was at Remax. And I was actually reading it at the time that the convention happened and I met Bob. So it was really surprising. I actually had it in my suitcase with me. Hmm. But you found it when you were a teenager. That's rare. And it's not easy to read. Right. Because it's kind of written in that 1930s style. Right. Yeah. But the principles are the same, right? 2020. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Whenever he wrote it, what, what, 1920s, 30s? <laughs> yeah. No, it's never changed. I mean, it's all the same principles. It's just amazing. And then you get more into the science now of it, like the, the neuroscience and all these these right. things, but it's all it's all there. Yeah. So what did you like the most of the book? Um, I mean, auto-suggestion, you know, know just all the i mean really all the the main things of setting goals right mm -hmm. and writing them down and then just you know just believing right by and if you don't believe like auto suggestion and just all those you combining all those things and you know anything's possible right it is it is it is like a you have to have all the pieces though right right you can't just say well i'm just going to work on this section and this is going to be fine and you will have some success but if you use all of the principles of the book it's astounding like, I love decision because I think that that's the foundational piece. If you don't make the decision, you're never going to change anything in your life. And you have to make a committed decision that burns the ships, mm. you know? And you can't make a decision from where you are. You have to make the decision on where you want to be. Yeah. You know? And Burn, that's burning so... Burning the ships. I remember reading that, and, and that's why I, I, like, sold everything I had, and I moved <laughs> to Brazil. Awesome. You know? And I had this mentor in Santa Fe, and he's like, you know, Alberto... Do me a favor, think big, you know, think big. I was like, okay. And then I read Think and Go Rich and Burn Your Burn Up Burn the Ships, you know, like the do you want to tell tell the story of the burning the ships? Yeah, I can't and remember who the uh who the gentleman was who was in charge of the Conquistadors ships. In, in 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 Mexico, right? Correct. And, and they and kept so, so they wouldn't flee. He's like he burnt the ships so they couldn't flee. They only had a choice to fight, right? Right. To survive. Exactly. So they had sent over several fleets prior and they'd all failed. And, sh and come back with the tail between the legs. And so <laughs> they all got to shore and he burned the ships. It's just incredible. Then you have no option. Yeah. To fight to the, de to the death. And yeah. a lot of times that's surrendering to the process, right? Exactly. Is where the magic happens. Exactly. Yeah, it is. But it, man, it is a crazy time because you, I mean, I've had moments where I'm just shaking. Mm. Like your whole body reacts mm. when you have to make some of these decisions. But but man, it's just so crazy when you really walk it through and get to the other side. You look back and you think, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Now what can I do? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking of uh, Bob Proctor, like he still reads it 
and I I read it too, you know, I, sometimes on a road trip and I put the audio on or I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, look at a chapter and just stimulates your mind and makes you understand, understand things a little bit different, a little bit better. Right. Right. And uh, But it always seems to help. Well, I agree. I think, you know, we're always growing. So every time you read it, you're at a never, you're at another level in your life. You're at another thought process in your life. So you always get a new lesson out of it. It just never grows old. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I told you that Bob recently did uh, a big film series called Principles of Prosperity. And, and he went into each of the chapters. Principles of Prosperity based on Think and Grow Rich, correct? Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. So he went into each of the chapters, but then he expanded on based on everything he's learned about the paradigms, about, you know, conscious, subconscious, about the unconscious competence mm. stuff that you mm. and I have been talking yeah. about. And so it just became this, it's a brilliant film. And they've never really released it at a large level. So I brought it into my website, dianarmitage.com, mm. and I started teaching it and facilitating it with people. And it's just astounding because it just, it brings so much of the life experience in and so much of the explanation in that they were touching on in the day, but mm. they couldn't really talk to it because then people were really going to think they were crazy. So, you know, then, you know, even Earl Nightingale in 1960s, he was doing Lead the Field and he was doing all kinds of things on The Strangest Secret, which is about the attitude mm. and still backing away from things like universal law and how universal law operates the whole planet and how if we get in sync with those laws Mm. everything works whether we're conscious or not conscious to that or it doesn't work Mm. whether we're conscious or not conscious to that so all of that they kind of stayed away from at the time because even though they recognized it knew it it was just too far ahead Mm. for the consciousness of the time but now people are so more so much more open-minded how was bob proctor involved with the secret project uh, he was, interestingly, that was in around 2006, they called him and they called him on his phone. It's a funny story. They called him on his phone and he kind of like left it, let it go to messages or whatever because it was from Australia. And so like a month later, he had his assistant, Gina, who's absolutely amazing. He was like, hey, can you just go through all of my messages and see if there's anything important in there? And she said, oh, yeah, well, these people want you to film this movie that they're putting together. Mm. And she said it was like a month ago. And he said, well, call him up, see what's going on. So she called them and they said, yeah, we're just wrapping it up. But, you know, we're doing our final weekend now with the speakers and we're in Aspen and we don't know where Bob is. And Gina's like, we're in Aspen right now. They were doing a seminar. So Bob just trotted across the street and spoke. And he has such a power and so much knowledge to this whole thing that he actually became really one of the primary speakers of the whole thing. And it was amazing to be in his company at the time because he was big and then he was a giant overnight Mm. because the secret just got so big. So big, yeah. Yeah. And I got to work on some of that that big marketing push out to the world. And I think at this point, something like 400 million people have seen the secret. Mm. And that really opened up a lot of people's eyes because they began to recognize that they did have a choice and they could make choices for their life and that... They were in control, and it didn't have to be the standard modicum. So it was the initial seed that got a lot of people interested in mm. moving in that new direction, understanding how big they were, understanding that they were limitless, really. Mm. And it talks about the law of attraction, which is one of the universal laws. Actually, law of attraction is sort of a sub-law of the law of vibration. Everything is energy. Everybody is energy. We're energy. So as long as you're in sync with that energetic flow, you know, you're either swimming upstream or you're flowing downstream, one or the other. It's how you choose to live your life. And most people don't know. They're unconscious to it, so they just think that they have to struggle. They think that it has to be this way. They think their lives have to be small. They think they have to live in poverty. They think, they think, they think. Instead of analyzing that belief, reevaluating that belief and making a different decision. How do you break the cycle? You have to recognize, you have to listen to what your spirit wants. And then you have to recognize that you, (laughs) that you can break the cycle. Mm. You've got to make that decision. And once you make the decision, you can't stay stuck in the how, because no one knows how. 
I mean, you and I have talked about your big goals mm. for TACFIT, and mm. you don't know how you're going to get there. Mm. You don't know how. But the, the fact is, is you put the goal out there, and it's in your mind every single day. You've shared it with a few key players. It's mm. in my mind every day. So we're all working toward this thing, and we're taking the small steps that we know, and it begins to unfold for you as you go. You never, you never are up against a wall. The answer is always going to be there. And the universe and the way the world works and the way the law works is always in your favor. It's always here to help. It's not here to put conflict and issues up. So if you get caught in that, like the conflict, the issues, the circumstances, you kind of have to look at that and say, okay, who's running me right now? Whose thought is running me right now? Am I listening to my thought or am I listening to what the outside world has to say? A lot of times when people make a decision, like when I decided to leave Remax and become a freelance writer, mm. my family thought I was out of my mind. Everybody thought I was out of my mind. And I'd never thought about being an entrepreneur. I didn't even have a business account. I didn't know what to do. Were you, what, what did your parents do? Well, they, you know, they had spent a lot of money for me to go through college. Right, college, yeah. <laughs> get a good job, right? <laughs> right, get a good job, you know, stay in that safe job, yeah. you know, because that's, that's really the paradigm of where most people live. And like I said, it's, it works for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but even if you're in a corporate position, are you growing every day? Are you setting new goals for yourself every day? Are you making yourself so that, you know, that people can't let you go because you are so important to that organization? You know, it's key. I always think of like, well, how do you change that cycle? Right. And, mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, they say like your self-esteem, right, is gen is created in the first like eight years of your life, you know. Right. So a lot of times it's like your parents things, right, that or, you know, whoever was around you know, your first eight years of life mm -hmm. really affects like wh who you are, your self-esteem and what you think of yourself and all that. Um, and so like uh, some self-help things that I've done and basically if you go against that, you know, because they they're your protectors, they're like basically like, like God, right? Right. And what they what they say goes like if it's your mother, your father, whoever. And if you go against that, it's basically you're, you know, you have to face, if you, f you go against that, it's basically like you're, you're going to die. Right. Because they're your protectors, like their life itself. Right. right. So they're like God. And so you kind of, when you get older and you have those, those beliefs, those self-limiting beliefs, right. It's hard to shake those off. It's like, you have to face, you have right. to face, you know, death itself. I mean, it's just the illusion. Right. But you have to face that. Like, you have to face that. And when I think we talk about the ships burning down the ships, like that kind of puts things like you have to be ready to face fate, you know, ready to, ready to die, to, to live. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's how, but how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Right. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know what you're, what you're talking about are what we call paradigms, which are these beliefs that you have stuffed into your head from early childhood. You came down from and landed on this planet with stuff in your head from right. a genetic right. pool that's gone back for generations right. in your family. So it's not just what your parents teach you. It's not just right. what your siblings. It's not just what your teachers are like. It's not what your peers are like. It's all this put together that creates this belief in your head. And most of the time, you never question it. You just follow along because that's what everybody does in your world. Whatever world you're in, that's the world you're in. And you accept it and you believe that that is the best it can be. Yeah. And so when you decide to make a different choice, you know, initially you're going to have people who are just, who just think you're crazy. Mm. And you, and if you have that firm belief and if you have the will to keep moving forward, you know, that's where you really start trying to change your behavior. The key though is, you can try to change your behavior for a while. Like you can say, well, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to lose 80 pounds this year. And you're on it initially, but then you fall off of it. Even if people are supportive of you, mm. you'll fall off of it because you haven't changed the paradigm. You've got this groove like a record in your right. head. Replaying. And until you, you re-groove that groove with a new paradigm of thought, you're always going to go back to the old, old way of thinking. So... Uh, I remember Bob always used to say that you can only break a paradigm through shock mm. or through uh, repetition. Mm. So shock being, for instance, a, a cardiac event. Like I had a good friend who was swimming in an ocean race and he had a heart attack in the middle of the race. 
that's a shock. That is something that makes somebody pivot and go in a new Traumatic. direction. Traumatic. The, fortunately, that doesn't High happen stress. to High stress. Exactly. Fortunately, that it doesn't happen to a lot of people. It happened in your life, I think a few times. Mm. But the repetition and the study and the repetition and the study is what it takes to get past that. And everyone's going to hit that terror barrier where they have this goal up here and they're thinking down here and they don't know how to get past this to get up there. And it's easier for your paradigm to step in and go, you know what? It was probably too big for you to try. Just go back. Just do what you were doing. You know, and a lot of people step back from that terror barrier and they never proceed further. Not recognizing that it's just a veil. Right. Illusion. It's just an illusion. Absolutely. There's a great story about, you know, you probably heard it about a guy walking on a pier and this guy is selling crabs and he's got this big giant barrel of live crabs and they're all climbing all over each other. Yeah. And he's like, I can't, why don't you have a lid on this thing? And he's like, it's not a problem. He said, as soon as one starts to get up, the rest of them pull him back down. Right. Crabs. If you put crabs in a bucket, starts to climb out of the bucket and the other crabs on the bottom grab it and pull it right back down again. Exactly. So your environment can do that for you. And a lot of times people feel like they have to change a lot of their environment in order to get away from that. Like people who say, who have struggled with alcoholism, they'll have to leave friends. They'll have to leave relationships that they've built all their lives so that they can stay in this new paradigm that they want to stay in. And, you know, it happens even with, I'm sure as you grew and changed and, and achieved your goals. And as I grew and changed and achieved my goals, some people fall off in mm. your world, but you gain other people in who are of the same energetic uh, strain, you know? So you start gathering more people around you who are thinking like you and are limitless thinkers like you. And then it really starts to get fun because yeah. then you've got almost a mastermind that really supports you. Mastermind. Awesome. Mastermind principle. Yeah. Your friends can make you or break you. You know, like the, I, I can't always think about but the, the, my jiu-jitsu journey, right? Because the, I really put the blueprint of think and grow rich, right? And I remember like me just reading, I didn't have maybe the people around me. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, like amazing family stuff, of course, you know, but so I would read biographies, you know, by myself and just get in that mindset, you know? For example, like Michael, I just watched Michael Jordan's uh, Last Dance. Oh, amazing. And, uh, you know, he, he became part of the Bulls and all the guys were partying and, you know, not, t- you know, they, were, they weren't in the same mindset as he was, so he was like a loner. Mm-hmm. And then, but he always played to win, right? And then he basically created that whole that he created that right from his his mindset and what he wanted. You know, his parents taught him to always do his best. You know, and he could have you know lost that game when they played the I think the the Celtics. You know, right? Or the first time when they went to the playoffs, right. and they could have got a better draft pick. But he's like, no, I'm gonna play. To, I'm gonna play to win. You know, and gave him a run. You know, gave him a run. And they're like, who, who the hell? Well, they already knew who he was, but you know, he really. Yeah. Put himself on the map, right? Right. And uh, and then it boosted the energy. The vi- the You talk about the vibration, right, of the whole team, the whole organization. They started to believe. Right. And then, you know, then, of course, it, spread, it spreads out, right? So then you end up with all these fans and this crowd that begin to have that same energetic vibration. So, and then you have this support field that's incredible. And that's really what it's all about. Is, it's is, just it, when I think about all these things we're talking about and how that manifested, right? Him just, you know, doing his laundry by himself, his parents coming in, and him just doing his thing, and all these guys are, you know, partying it up with, you know, drugs and you know, <laughs> and hookers, you know, whatever, you know, living the life, and he's there like, you know, doing his laundry and just focused, you know. Yeah. And then come game time for the playoff, they make the playoffs barely, and then he gives a the the legendary Celtics a run, right? Right. And like what like what, what, what we're, we're somebody you know mm-hmm. and then basically people started to believe and they created that whole they started to build the team right it's and, always and it was him like doing the best and then he, he probably didn't even believe that he could be a you know the win the championship right mm-hmm. but uh but uh yeah. i don't know i mean you know i, no, I, mean, I think everything's that man a pro- was incredible yeah everything's a process yeah but you know right. it's like a process right and yeah. of course once he once he did that i think maybe that was the moment where he's like you know what that's what I want to be like these guys. I want to be like Magic Johnson. I want to be like, you know, like, uh, you know, Larry Bird. I want to be, I want to, be that, that, he had that in his head after that. And he's like, the way, and he showed them that he's on their level. Right. And so that was the moment when I think he, he believed that he could do it. 
There is always a moment, isn't there? Man, I yeah. always think about these moments. I think about Rocky Balboa, you know? Yeah. Even all the, the, the you know, the Rocky series, you know, the, you know, the, the moment for me is like, you know, like he's like, he's, it's the first one, right? Where he's like, I don't know if I can, he's like walking around the stadium. He doesn't know if he can do it, you know? But then he tells, you know, Adrian, like, you know, I don't think I can win, you know? But if I, if I go the distance with him, I'll know for the, like for the first time in my life that, you know, I'm not a bum from the neighborhood. Right. I'm somebody. Yeah. That was an awesome movie. <laughs> and so the fact that, you know, that that's, he's like, I don't, I don't, I can't, he can picture himself winning, but he knows he's on the level, you know, if right. he doesn't go down because nobody's ever, ever gone th the distance with him. Right. 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 And that's, I feel like the whole series, the whole thing, the whole story is built in that because he didn't go down, you know? That's the truth. <laughs> it is the truth. Yeah. And then they had to make a second one where he did win, right? <laughs> and then, you know, all the other ones that came up because of that. But I think it comes down to that. And then, of course, you have the, you know, the Apollo Creed, right, where he doesn't go down. And he looks at him, like, shakes his head, like, oh, man, you know, like, why doesn't he, why don't you just go down? Right, exactly. That was one of the best scenes ever. Where but it started from head. that moment, right, right, of him telling, like, you know, if I... If I if I go the distance with him, I'll know for the first time in my life that I'm not just a bum from the neighborhood. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, it's amazing that you would read these biographies because I think it's one of the best things to do to to keep yourself in that place, especially if you feel like you're on your own or alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, one of my favorites is Richard Branson. He is such Richard a Branson. kook. Mm -hmm. He's unbelievable. I mean, that guy. I'm sure he has fear, and he wrote a great book called Losing My Virginity, and mm -hmm. it was you know building. Virgin Records, building Virgin Airlines, building, building, building. Mm. And he's so, he's just fearless. He'll walk off the cliff every single mm. time. And you know he's got to go through these, you know, heart palpitations with some of the things he does. But, you know, one of the things I love about the, the people who really make it happen, it goes back to Think and Grow Rich and Decision, where, you know, the people who are the most successful make decisions quickly and change them slowly. Mm. People who are not successful make decisions slowly and change them quickly. So you see people like you, you see people like Richard Branson, you see people like Rocky Balboa, you know, made a decision and did not step back. Just said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to back off, you know. And I love working with you because you make decisions quickly and then you don't back off of them. You're just like, nope, we're moving forward. Okay, decisions made. Let's go. And we're like, like oh, okay. Just try to keep up with you, but but that's the fun part of working with you know an entrepreneur who's on purpose, you know, because you've got a purpose, you've got a vision, you have a goal, you're just on track. Yeah, and it's so much fun to work with people like that. They give life to everybody. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the the changes and stuff, and I can't help but think about my multiple sclerosis diagnosis. You right. know, and that was like the that was the dramatic event. I feel like. Uh -huh. Even though I maybe oh, oh my god I'm I didn't play the victim but you know it was you know because the reality was maybe in like six months I'm gonna have a hard time walking maybe in six months well, I already had like issues with with those kinds of things like the balance and walking but you know you're, I'm just so stubborn that I'm I'm good I'm good but you know what if I can't do jujitsu in six months and grab people you know those those thoughts did go in my head you know right and it's scary right right it's scary like oh man you, you know my kids like am I gonna be a dad <laughs> you know like, you know, well, like I'm what, what I'm not gonna be a burden like there's no way there's no way I know I there's know there's no way well and the consciousness of the world is there's that no once way. you're diagnosed with that your life is pretty much over there isn't a lot of hope out there I mean I know that they're working hard and diligently to change that sure. paradigm and clearly you're one of the front runners of that paradigm shift but it is it takes a lot of people down that traumatic for yeah for sure the traumatic event with 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 the right stuff like tack fit right connecting my breath with the movement you know like we talk about all these mindset things like visualizations but like scott's whole thing is movement the movement just move right the quality focusing so hard on each movement, re, like that's what I felt. I, I felt myself rewiring inside. Right, right. Well, you know, it's a lot like how they teach stroke victims to, you know, re-energize a paralyzed side of their body by using the other side of their mind, mm. by using the other side of the hemisphere. Right. It's, but, you know, it's not just a mechanical process. It is a full-on spiritual, emotional, physical process as well. Yeah. Uh, you talk about the, you talk about the, 
you know, stuff not only from your parents, but grandparents and just, you know, an- ancestors, right? And, like, I remember, you know, the reason why I feel like I got rewired just on, on a lot of different levels, but when I was younger, I couldn't have, like, one piece of chocolate. I would have to eat the whole thing, right? <laughs> and now, since I did tack fit, it's given me a balance, you know? Like, I can just have one piece and walk away. Whereas I didn't have that when I was younger. How do you think that's associated? Just, uh, my, just my, my personality, my behavior, you know? It just changed my behavior. Like, that was a big thing, you know? Yeah. And I know I was I was cutting weight, and I, but that was I was like that since I was a kid, you know. Uh-huh. And so that was that was genetically passed down to me, you know. Like my dad, I'm sure. Like I think my dad, you know, and he he had a like really traumatic childhood, and and but you know he had, I think it was passed down from me, and like a lot of stress things. He was like uh, he went to Vietnam War, and you know he, he had some he had a lot of P, you know, he still does PTSD, and uh, I just feel like those things were passed down, and I really feel like just moving. And this breath and all these things, like, it changed that. That was big, you know? That is big. That's big. Like, it doesn't seem like much, but, like, I felt myself, like, what? Like, I can just walk away after having one piece of chocolate? Huh. You know, you you yo-yo a lot, right? And, you know, when you compete and fight because you you cut weight and you make the weight for events, you know? But I was even like that when I was younger. So I feel like it doesn't seem like maybe from the outside something big, but like for me, I know it was something big because it changed my personality Well, and for it, the better. And it put your mind in charge. You know, so many people think our bodies are in charge of everything. Our bodies are just the battery. The mind is the what controls everything mm-hmm. in the body, everything in the body, every urge, every, you know, thing that says i've got to eat all that chocolate yeah. everything i mean anything that you've got in your body that's programmed into your body is a result of what your mind has programmed into that body yeah. so that's really amazing because you've yeah. reprogrammed so much yeah i mean like right like those those hormones like it just there's a, a balance right and right. there's a certain therapy too like in for example i keep talking about the tactic because that's been my life you know like that's well, amazing you know but just connect a, a simple thing like connecting your breath with the movement and having the correct, you know, structure, like alignment, you know, mm-hmm. lines up your hormones, like, you know, the, your immune system, the inflammation, right? And, and like, of course, your nervous system, which dictates all of that, right? Right. It just lines everything up. So you're in balance, you know? You know, if, you were, if it was a, you know, if we have like the podcast, the mixer, you know, but yeah. we're like, it's like a mixer and we're just, we're balancing it, you know? And that's, I feel like, has helped me make the right decisions or may help, help me make the right decisions, for example, like the, the chocolate thing, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's really amazing. You know, what's interesting is that when Scott Sonnen started this so many years ago, the consciousness wasn't around it either Right. at that time. And he kept moving it forward, and he believed so strongly in it. It's unbelievable what he discovered and what he put into action. Yeah. And that he combined it with a fitness movement mm-hmm. instead of, this is neurophysical, this is more of a medical thing. Right. He combined it with a fitness thing. It's, and it's just incredible what he did and believed in when there was nobody who believed. Because right. I'm sure that it was a flat line for quite a while for him, and then it went up. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I, I would listen and read his stories. You know, he broke his back, he had these injuries. Of course, his learning disability, you know. Right. And uh, like speaking of the traumatic events, Right, but that kind of springboarded these other things. Like he found his, I think, his learning style through martial arts, mm-hmm. and why did I have to suffer that much, you know? And then that's what that's what gave him the, you know, made him go down the rabbit hole and studying like all these different things. And of course, didn't ha- didn't have the neuroscience uh, uh, updates, you know, back then, you know, or you know right. information. But he just keeps going, you know, and uh, that gave us like gave us this this stuff all mapped out, you know. All you have to do is just show up and just do it, you know. Yeah. You know, think about it. And then when you do it, like he said that, he said that in, in the last uh, certification that he taught, you know, he did an NMAP, Neuro uh, Mobility Assessment Procedure, you know. And basically, in a nutshell, right, when you do the movements, the quality movements, you know, uh, the breadth of the movement and the correct structure, you know, uh, you know, the create new brain cells, your neurogenesis, right? Right. Neuroarborization, they connect more. Right. And then, you know, an MS, multiple sclerosis, the myelin, it lays down myelin. So you get, you know, you lay down layers of myelin on the nerve, Beautiful. which is good for somebody with MS. Right. But, uh, you know, I just felt everything getting rewired, you know, and it just came down to that. 
and just really focusing hard on it and really you know that's why we're so strict and that's why we're so like you know it's it's a, not that it's rigid you know but it's very strict you know because we want quality right mm-hmm. not quality over quantity mm-hmm. yeah no, it's been quite an education for me <laughs> working at it from my level in the last two months but it's really just been amazing i love it what's your favorite chapter of think and grow rich you asked me mine <laughs> Well, you know, I love decision. I really love, uh, I love persistence. I love persistence because if you don't have persistence, you know, I think that that's a fabulous chapter. At one point, you know, Bob was making this challenge to read it for 90 days straight. And that is a commitment. They can grow rich. Read persistence. Persistence, the, the chapter. chapter. Which is one of the longest chapters. And, uh, you have to read about all these old time, you know, W.C. Fields and people like that, yeah. you know, back in the day. But uh, 90 days was significant. Was W.C. Fields, was he Napoleon Hill's mentor or was Napoleon Hill W.C. Fields a mentor? No, he was Napo- He was Earl Nightingale's, or no, W.C. Fields. You're right. He was one of the uh, 500 people that Napoleon Hill had interviewed. Interviewed, I see. Right. Okay. Which was so then the he, charge he, he mentored, he mentored Andrew Napoleon Carnegie. Hill. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if many people know, you know, how Think and Grow Rich started, but it was about Andrew Carnegie. Napoleon Hill was just a little journalist like I was at one point in my life, and he was given this opportunity to interview Andrew Carnegie, who mm. was the largest steel magnate and the richest man in the United States. Mm. And so they had this hour-long interview about his success, and Andrew said, well, the, it's not over. Let's, let's go back to my house and let's talk, you know, more through the evening. And Napoleon Hill was, like, relieved because he didn't have any place to sleep that night. He didn't have any money for a hotel or anything. So he went back to Andrew Carnegie's giant mansion, and they talked well into the night. And then finally, Carnegie said— H- How did they meet? Uh, he was just put together. It was one of those coincidences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Serendipity mm-hmm. things like me— being assigned to Bob, Bob Proctor, yeah. <laughs> he got assigned to interview Andrew mm. Carnegie. And Andrew Carnegie had been looking for somebody to help him um, figure out what the success principles were of all the success, successful people he knew. And he had been looking and looking for somebody, and he finally thought that Napoleon Hill might be the one, so he offered him that job and said, I'm not going to pay you anything. Mm. I want you to interview the 100 most popular. I'll put you in touch with all of these most people. successful people at the time. And... Um, he was actually holding a, a stopwatch under the desk, and he was giving Napoleon Hill 60 seconds to make a decision. And Napoleon Hill decided at about the 34-second mark and said, yeah, I'll do it. And it was a huge paradigm shift for him because he had promised his brother that he would put him through college and you know, pay for all of that, and he didn't have that money anymore. And he went on to interview something like 500 of the most successful people in the world, and that's how he put the book together. And it's astounding because it took him like 10 years uh yeah actually a little more than that more than that yeah and um you know at one point carnegie had told him that um he said i want you to actually at the end of the interview he said i want you to say this to yourself in the mirror every morning and it was something about uh, i can't say it correctly but it was about passing carnegie at the post and winning like actually passing him in life in success and napoleon hill was like you're out of your mind there's no way i'm gonna pass you up and but he kept saying it to himself in the mirror because he had promised carnegie that he would do it and as it turned out i mean the napoleon hill foundation is millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of success and it's changed so many millions of people's lives i mean millions of people's lives so he did actually pass carnegie yeah pretty amazing what uh, what uh, what what was his reasoning? What was his? Why, why did he want him to write that book? What, what, where did that, well, motiva- mo- that motivation come from? Well, you know how you and I had talked about being an unconscious competent. Mm. So there are people out there who most of us struggle to reach a competency, and we have to get past these stages to get to unconscious competent, which is how you know how to do it. Like for instance, when you start to learn how to ride a bike. You know, you don't know how to ride a bike. You struggle, you fall, you cry. Your parents have to get bandages. Everything's a mess. You hate it. And then you start getting it 
and you start getting it and you finally work up to the point where you just get on a bike and ride a bike. You don't even think about it. Mm. Same with driving a car, same with driving a clutch car. Like you learn how to drive a clutch car initially and it's hell. It's hell. You hate everybody. You hate anyone who's sitting next to you in the car, mm. <laughs> but eventually you just, it's just automatic. It's unconscious competence. So Carnegie recognized that and said, so many of the successful people I know, they don't understand how they got to where they got. They mm. don't understand what they did. And he said, I want you to interview them and pick it apart and figure out what, what they did, what their success principles were. And as it turned out, you know, all of them basically said everything that are in the primary chapters of this book. So, you know, persistence, decision, mm. you know, um, the amazing um, auto-suggestion, mastermind, mastermind principle, you know, things like that. So that's why he wanted to have a book written about it so that other people could understand people who are, you know, finding their way, conscious incompetent is what we call it, who are finding their way up. What do they do to make this happen in their lives? Yeah. Pretty amazing. Have you ever read about that? Read the book? Uh, Cause I, you know, I was, I, I was searching it in that little chat and the, when there were bookstores, right. Where the, the self-help kind of areas. And I would look at some other things on think and grow rich. And then I saw this think and grow rich with the peace of mind. Mm. Did you ever read, read no. that book? Okay. Mm-mm. I think it was, a. am not sure on, 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 but I think Napoleon Hill, he, he wrote it later on in life. Hmm. Yeah, I think well, he interesting. made a lot of money because he used the principles, you know? Yeah. And then I think he lost it, and then and then he wrote the book, Think of Grow, which had the peace of mind. <laughs> wow, that's really awesome. I'll have to check into that. I don't know that book. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I was just curious if you had heard about it. I mean, all you need is the principles to do anything, right? Right. I always talk about it a lot, actually, on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Just because everything, everything has been in line with with the things that I've read in there, and I keep reading it. Right, I know it. It's it's astounding. It really is. I I think it's. I try to read the book at least once a year, and uh, and and then like I said, Bob's film, I I did like a hundred and eighty days straight watching it over and over and over again. Watching the the film that you're helping, the yeah, a part of. Unbelievable, because it gives you that much more breadth and depth to all of these principles talk to me more about it <laughs> i want to hear more oh, no, <laughs> and where so do i find fun. it you know oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> so much it's fun. it's a it's a video series yeah it could be almost like a mini series okay on you know where is it at uh he's got it at well i i'm kind of the only one who's really pushing it out there oh i see so it's at dianearmitage.com okay and he's got it at uh his website as well and it's just it's it's there and it's amazing and most people don't see it because mm. there are so many other programs that they're teaching that are amazing. Mm. And I've really chosen to focus on principles of prosperity and lead the field. Lead the field was initially Earl Nightingale's in the 60s it became mm. the largest seller in the world and it was primarily built for managers, people who wanted to be leaders, entrepreneurs, that kind of thing. And then um not to digress but I'll get back. Mm. And then um but lead the field really was about leading your own life, like finding the acres of diamonds in your life, finding, you know, looking at greener pastures and deciding if, you know, the greener pastures are really over there, or if they're really here in your life. Um, but leadership styles, time management, what he called time management, which was kind of an interesting solution, mm. all kinds of things. It's a beautiful, beautiful series. So Bob redid that series in the year 2000, and I was the first person to wow, get 20 it. 20 years ago. Yeah. And he redid it, but he used all of the original content of Earl Nightingale's, and then he would expound on it mm. himself with everything he teaches, the stick man, the conscious, the subconscious, mm. you know, the whole thing that all of his... What's the stick man? Oh, the stick man's really cool. Um, well, the stick man is just kind of like a, it's like a head with a... Right, right, stick, right, right, stick man. So uh, it was something that was devised by a gentleman, Thurman Fleet, in the 30s, and it explains what the mind is because when you tell people to think about their mind, they think about their brain. They're not thinking about how the mind works. But mm-hmm. once you understand how the mind works, then you understand how everything works in your life. So your conscious mind is the top half. He kind of, I mean, it's not literally. Mm. Conscious mind is the top half. And then subconscious mind is the bottom half of the circle. Mm. And the conscious mind is the one that accepts and believes and chooses 
And all of those thoughts feed directly into the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind has no ability to reject. So it's wide open to whatever the conscious mind chooses and decides. And the subconscious mind is what puts it into action, which create the results in your life. So your subconscious mind is actually the cause of the effect in your life. But you have to look at what your conscious mind has been accepting, whether it's paradigms from your childhood, mm. whether it's what your peers taught you, whether it's what your teachers taught you. I had a teacher in college tell me I was the worst writer he'd ever seen. Mm. And I thought, I, at that point, I had enough confidence to just things, sort right. of laugh at that. But there are people who stop. But those are the things that hold you back. Right. Remember those things. So, so every time your conscious mind is feeding all this stuff into your subconscious mind, um, what you get emotionally involved with is what becomes the paradigm in that subconscious mind. So there's all kinds of thoughts that can flow through. But if you get emotionally involved with it, positively or negatively, it, it then holds on to that and creates it. And the more you repeat that thought, the more strong that paradigm grows. Mm. And then it becomes the action and the result in your life. So if you look at people who are, you know, for instance, you know, afraid of getting cancer, and they think about it all the time. The fear of getting cancer. Their fear of getting cancer. They're emotionally involved with a negative result, mm. but they're so emotionally involved with it, and they're thinking about it, and they're pushing it away. And the more they push away, the more they're thinking about it and getting emotionally involved with it. And so then they're amazed when it manifests in their body. Mm. And I'm not saying that, right, right. you know, but, I mean, it's amazing how, yeah. I mean, it happens. Yeah. So that's how the stick man is. So anyway, so yes, so Bob started explaining all of that with like all of that in Lead the Field. And so he made it like four times the size. And it's this phenomenal program. And I fell in love with it in 2000. And my life changed in months. Like it went from here to here. And it was already pretty rocking. So I really love Lead the Field. And so I've become a Lead real, the Field. Right. So I have a website called leadthefieldprogram.com. And it's also at dianarmitage.com. Mm. So I teach groups on an ongoing basis through that process. It's 11 chapters. So Bob did the same with Principles of Prosperity. He took, Earl, or he took Napoleon Hill's original stuff, and then he just embarked and told more, you know, and included the stick person in this. And he talked about the, you know, the seven levels of awareness and talked about, you know, things that just were touched on, but not what are the seven expanded. The, the oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> the seven memory, levels of awareness. <laughs> memory, will. Memory, will. Um, oh, my goodness. Put me on the spot. I used to have a mnemonic for it so I could remember. Oh, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I was like, uh, there's this, uh, there's this uh, lady that would, travel around with the brain uh -huh. and it's like five things she said that the brain would need you know mm. one is uh you know of course uh, uh nutrition you know like uh, uh what do you call it uh, like air and, and food right um and but i always have a hard time remembering them and it's so easy right but like uh you know um so food right nutrition um uh, movement uh -huh. um um newness um um challenge and love. Huh. So, you know, nutrition, right? Air and food. Uh, movement. Challenge. Newness. And love. Like connection. Right? Interesting. For the brain or for, for the, the mind? I mean, it's all connected, right? Yeah. I mean, when you start going in down the rabbit hole with, like, sort of studying fascia and you just see how these... Fibroblasts. I don't know if you're familiar with like fascia and how the they look like little mm. neurons, you know. And I mean, like most cutting edge neuroscience. I mean, it seems like it's all one, right? Well, you really is. break it down. Yeah. <laughs> like the way we're like intertwined and you know just everything's well, interconnected I mean, and mind is connected to body. Right, right. Like we so, were saying. but like the you know she she was just talking about she would lecture like college, you know. Uh, college students and stuff uh -huh. go to the and she but she would like actually bring a human brain she was, she was pretty like she was a real pretty, one a real one oh she would take it out of a case and she was like this is a human brain and then she would go into her wow. her speech yeah. but i just thought that was just put simply you know like the things that we need you know um but again 
we have circuits that are hardwired, right? So how do we make those changes, you know? Right. And that that's always like interesting for me because me working with jujitsu, mm-hmm. right? You see those things happening, and I like I think of Scott San and he found his learning style and the, you know that neuroplasticity happening. He you know things happen, right? And so I'm always like just like how does that happen it changes people forever somebody with low Mm self-esteem lack of confidence and it rewires them and you talk about the you know the traumas and stuff and you know like fighting and doing jiu-jitsu can be traumatic right like just even training right but uh it's that stress the high levels of stress you know and then you overcoming that that just kind of rewires you it seems like you know Right, right and it just changes people forever they become completely different people yeah, I f- what I find Completely. interesting about people who study jiu-jitsu is that they they become very peaceful warriors, so to speak. They're not confrontational people. Mm. They they become very peaceful. They're just they are more more confident, right? More right. confident. I guess, but it's it's not a combative right, right. thing. Right. You know? It's just really an interesting science. Yeah. 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 Love it. Yeah, it's, uh, but you need to tackle with it too, because you need. Yeah. You know, we do, although we do the same movements over and over and over, so we need to attack fit kind of balances you out, you know. Well, you know, I would think that tack fit would work in any, I mean, any industry, any sport. No, for sure, all all sports. Like, but you know, I'm 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 yeah. jujitsu. I'm biased, you know. But yeah, th- what I always think of that for myself and for my my students and my my jujitsu family, my friends. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think of jujitsu as being more flex you know, flexibility, movement, mm. all that sort of thing anyway. But you say the tact that brings in this whole new level, this whole new layer of, mm. of how you perform, how you think. Because that's not just, that's what's so cool about TACFIT. It's not just a fitness system. It's, it's how you think. It's how you live your life. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. It's more than just, a, like we talk about this, you know. Yeah. A fitness, you know, you know, fitness, get in shape or, you know, mm-hmm. four weeks shred, you know, it's like, no, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. Mm-hmm. I think of jujitsu like that too, right? It's a way of life. Like you can't get your black belt. You can't do anything if you don't really fully commit to the process. <laughs> that's the truth. That is the truth. Yeah. And that's the thing with, with the certification. Like we just started the certification, right? And it's 11 weeks, 11 weeks to do a certification, you know? And like you can go to other certifications. It's two days. You just show up. Somebody sometimes you just reads off, you know, powerpoints and stuff. But like no, here you're gonna actually do work. You're gonna you're gonna do the reps, you know. And and everybody's working. You can see how hard everybody's working around the world, you know, to make sure. Not I'm gonna ha- that they're gonna make like money on on the thing, but because they really care, they need to believe in how what it can do for people, right? Right. Um. Yeah. It's a. It's amazing. It's amazing. Too, yeah. That- that you actually just started that and so many people are already involved yeah. in the virtual certification. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. No no really paid incredible. advertisement, right? It right. was just like or pretty much organic, you know. Of course. Amazing. All the awesome team, but <laughs> behind <laughs> the scenes. Behind the scenes. I'll tell you what. <laughs> my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so committed, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so committed, it's so cool. It's cool. It, it's neat. I mean, I've talked to a few people who've heard of TACFIT. And, uh, you know, I think in a six months, it's going to be much, much more. Yeah. Much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's all the right stuff. You know, the world's ready for it. It seems yeah. like, you know. Right. Exactly. Like it's kind of like the secret, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Overnight. <laughs> the world was ready for it. And, it and was Bob Proctor, you're right. Getting involved with the secret. Just a yeah. random. Hey, I'm going to ask him too. Hey. And then he got in there into the thing. Right. And that. Changed his life. Changed his life. Changed his life. But, you know, you think about all the lives. I mean, what the thing I love about working with Bob is that uh, as his writer is how many millions of lives I've been able to touch as Mm. his writer. I think that's amazing. I love it. You know, now I work on like videos and um, scripts Mm. for some of the programs that they do. Mm. And I see, I see what happens when people, you know, it's just so awesome. Yeah. So cool. Does he still travel around? Well, lately not with the, right, the pandemic, COVID. but for right. the most part, he was doing... 86, he's just oh, like on popping stage, on planes. Three days, three-day seminars, just boom. He's yeah. high He's high on life, right? He he's, loves what he does. He's unbelievable. At one point, uh, several, oh, this might be a year and a half ago, he was really sick. He was not feeling well at mm. all. And uh, he hadn't been feeling well for a long time. And uh, he had to get on stage, and he has a business partner, Sandy, and she was super sick. She mm. couldn't even get out of bed. 
So he had to be on stage by himself for three days straight, and he just powered through it like you'd never, no one knew. No one knew. And he told me afterwards, he said, you know, I thought I was going to die. Mm. But he said, my paradigm is so strong. Mm. I've been teaching this for so long. I believe in it so much. Mm. He said, it's the paradigm that got me through those three days. It was really amazing. incredible. Amazing. It's like going back to Jordan with him playing yeah. with the flu with oh, that yeah. playoff game or the food poisoning, you know? Oh, the food poisoning. I have a moment like that too in my jiu-jitsu career. Did you really? Yeah, it just kind of sh- shows you like the power of the mind, you know, how we are energy, you know, mm-hmm. and like all the other stuff is just excuses. It's true. Right? It's true. <laughs> but that power of the mind, right? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's like I said, you know, we are spiritual beings in a human body and we are absolutely limitless. What we can do with our mind is incredible. Like everything that's ever existed in this world is because somebody thought of it. And it's it just, crazy. It, it's, it's, it's incredible what's, yeah. what we're at and what we're doing. And like, I look at what we've been going through with COVID recently. And I think, you know, everyone, there's so many people out there. There's consciousness that says there's loss, there's poverty, there's fear, there's rioting, right. there's all this negative stuff happening out there. I look at it as this incredible opportunity. And I'm not looking at it to like grab. Right. But it's such an incredible opportunity to take a look at your life and say, am I really living the life I want to live? Or do I really want to do something now that's different? Because you may have lost your job. You may have had all of your money go away. You may have. Yeah. It it gives everyone this opportunity to say, what do I want to do that's new in my life? How do I want to change things? And and the economy is only in your mind. Right. You know, the economy is only in your mind. That's the truth. I tell myself that every morning. And, you know, (laughs) I like Reverend Michael Beckwith is one of my favorite, favoritest human beings on the planet. He does the agape. Agape life. Agape life, yeah. And uh, he, uh, his church is here in Beverly Hills. And unbelievable. He was in The Secret as well. Right. And that's how I first got to know him. It's the dreadlocks, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Now he's bald. Oh, he's bald. Okay. He's it's beautiful. Been a while. It's amazing. But <laughs> I, I got to do some work with him uh, after The Secret. We did The Science of Getting Rich with mm. Michael Beckwith and Jack Canfield. The Science of Getting Rich. Right. Is that the secret behind the secret? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Wallace Waddles was the yeah, guy Yeah, Grant who told wrote me about it and I got it. Yes. What's his name? Wallace Waddles wrote the book, The Science of Getting Rich. Back in like the 1800s? Uh, or no, about the time that Napoleon Hill wrote oh, okay. Grow Rich. The Science... Science behind, of getting rich. The science behind getting no the science. It was the se- it was the secret behind the secret. The secret yes. behind the secret. So right. The science of getting rich. Yeah, I remember that. It was a small little book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the gist. I always try to summarize everything. And the gist is like that. I got this is you know is doing more than you get paid for. Oh. That was if it was like one sentence. Impression you know? of increase. You know, just like doing more than you get paid for. Right. And you will always increase your. You know. Well, I think that's also in this book, isn't it? Think I'm sure, rich. of course, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, where you make yourself, you know, irreplaceable. Right. You know, instead you of being like, oh, I want to get paid more, like, man, give more than you receive, and guess right. what's going to happen? <laughs> well, I love what Earl Nightingale says in Lead the Field. He says, instead of, it's people who say, give me, give me the heat, and I'll give you the wood. Mm. And instead, it's like, no, that's not the way it works. Service is the key. He talks a lot about that in Lead the Field. Service is the key. If you if you feel like you're not making enough money, increase your service. Because that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like cool. speaking of energy, like like uh, you give, right? You give your energy and then, you know, you whoever you're, if you're working for somebody or however you're, whatever you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Just automatically because you're giving that, you receive back. Absolutely. Well, it's the boomerang effect. Right. That is the law of laws. It's called the law of cause and effect. It's the law of laws. Yeah. Everything you put out there is going to come back to you. Everything you put out there negatively is going to come back to you. If you get up every morning and say, man, I'm on a adventure. So that's what I was starting to say. Michael Beckwith in a sermon recently, he was just like, you know, if you get out of bed and you say, I am on an adventure. Today, I'm having an adventure. That's a whole different thing. That's like when you were a kid and you used to mm. be able to go on a field trip and you'd pack your little chocolate milk and your peanut butter sandwich. You'd go on the bus and you'd be on a field trip at the zoo. Mm. Those exciting, fun days, you know, or like your first day of summer vacation where you're like, huh. If you wake up with that energy and that attitude, mm. look at what happens in your day. Yeah. Everything flows, you know. It's how you look at it. It's how you choose to look at it. Yeah. It's all in our mind, right? Yeah. It really is. I just... It's 
just love talking about it, as you could tell. Yeah. Because there's just so much. There's so much about it. What's your What's your favorite moment uh, working with Bob? So oh my he's, gosh. He's always coming up when we talk, <laughs> just because he's been it. such a big influence. I know it. You know, I think, oh, so many moments with Bob. You know, I my favorite chapter in my book, Conversations with Bob was about how he talked me into moving to Laguna Beach. Mm. It was really kind of funny. He, um, and people just are still astounded with it. So he, I had been working on a giant real estate website. It was like a member's website. So they had built this huge site. It was like a $700,000 site and nobody was buying anything. It was a membership site. And so they contracted me and they flew me from Denver to California and relocated me for a three-year contract. So kind of had to rewire that whole thing and make that thing work. Well, after like eight months, yeah, I was back in the corporate world after being an entrepreneur for about 10 years, five years actually. And I was like, nah, I just, I'm, I want to get back into my entrepreneurial world. So um, like eight months later, I was able to say, hey, you know, we're, we're fixed, we're good. It's time for me to move on. Mm. So I called, I had let Bob know that I was uh, moving along in those lines and he was letting me make that decision myself. So I called him for my car when I was driving away from that office. And I said, hey, you know, I've, you know, resigned. I'm free. You know, I can start working on your stuff again. And he's like, that's great. And he's like, are you going to go back to Denver? And I said, yeah, I'm not ready to go back to Denver yet. He's like, well, where do you want to live? And I said, anywhere in the world? (laughs) And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I like Italy. And he's like, does it have internet? Can I call you? And I was like, I don't know. He said, well, let's pick some place in the United States first so that, you know, we, you and I can continue our yeah. contact. So I said, well, I really love Laguna Beach. I love Laguna Beach. I had seen it for one day in 1994, and I had written on the next day on a gold card that I was going to move to Laguna Beach. Hmm. And I said, I love Laguna Beach. This was 2000 now, five and years later. You were living where at the time? I was living down in Carlsbad. Okay. And uh, so I said, I love Laguna Beach, and, and I take a breath. And I said, but it's so expensive. That's the last thing you ever say to Bob, right? Because then you get like that silence. Mm. And I said, I I just waited for him, right? Kind of cringing in my car. And he says, Diane? I said, yes. He says, are you in your car? And I said, yes. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to change the subject. He says, how far are you from Laguna Beach? And I think, oh, no. He said, well, I'm about 45 minutes. And uh, he said, well, I want you to drive there right now. And I said, right now? And he's like, yeah, no, no, get, you're in your car, right? He said, just keep driving. And I was like, he said, when you get to Laguna Beach, I want you to take out a mailbox and I want you to start forwarding your mail today to Laguna Beach. He says, you'll find a way to live there. Mm. So I drove up to Laguna Beach. I opened up a mailbox, PO box, started forwarding my mail. Interesting, right? A week later, out of nowhere, I get an email from nobody who's connected to me in any Mm. way, shape or form. It wasn't forwarded to me, anything. It just dropped into my email. And it was a woman who she and her husband had renovated a house. They tried to sell it through the summer. They were taking it off the market for the winter. It was a very reasonable rate. And I moved to Laguna, oh, 10 days later, 10 days after taking out that PO box. you You put the energy there, your mail's going there. Yeah, you have to take that step. You have to take that crazy step. And the crazier the step, the better. Mm. I, at one point, I was living in a condo right on the ocean in Laguna Beach, and I wanted to move up to the penthouse. And I called the landlord, and I said, hey, I think your renters are going to be moving soon. She's like, oh, they just got there. <laughs> they're going to be there for two years. I'm like, no, they're going to move. I'm going to send you my security deposit. You just let me know when they're gone. And then I started buying stuff for the penthouse. So mm. I rented a storage unit, started buying the rugs, the furniture, I picked out the paint, I started storing everything in the, because I knew it was going to happen. And, you know, six months later, five months later, she called me, I can still remember where I was. And she said, you're not going to believe this. They just bought a house in Dana Point. And of course, I called Bob because I told him, I said, I want you to visualize this place too, because your visualizer is bigger than my visualizer. (laughs) So they will get like the real energy going. Mm. So I called him right away and I said, hey, you know, I got into the penthouse. I said, I'm moving there. I said, now the next thing is to convince her to sell. And he said, you don't need to convince her to sell. You need to convince yourself to buy. Mm. So, you know, it was those kind of comments from Bob that would kind of like shift you up. Mm. So much fun. Uh, I want to I get the, I want to check out the videos on your website, Diane Armitage. Yeah, dianearmitage.com. What's his website? 
a Proctor? It's Proctor Gallagher Institute. Proctor Gallagher Institute. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they're both, so Lead the Field and Principles of Prosperity are both like paid programs. Okay. So it unlocks once you get involved with it, but then I facilitate along and we do like all these readings and Zoom calls and all okay. that sort of stuff. It's fun. It's really fun. I love it. It really keeps you, you know, when you're in it every day, like I just wrote a whole bunch of scripts for a new group of guys who wanted to do this kind of work with teenagers. Mm. So they had me write four months of scripts for, um, for an app that they developed, and they're just launching that next week. And it's so fun to be in that mode, writing it every day, thinking it every day, studying it every morning, because there's just nothing in your life that can happen to you. It just... You just being in the zone, fly. being in the being being high on life, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone Doing has a work. bad day, right, but it right. doesn't take long to get out of it because right. you recognize where you are. It's cool. Yeah. One of these days, we'll have to talk about that whole conscious, competent thing. Yeah, yeah, t- 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 <laughs> yeah. I think you explained it basically bef- a little bit. Yeah. in our talk just yeah. now. Yeah, that was something that Bob and I divided. Because you one told day. me, you told me, uh, like you're you're uh, un- you're unconsciously competent. Yeah. And I'm like. Thanks. <laughs> oh yeah, that's for Thanks. sure. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> it's like my friend Alashanda. He looks like he just woke up, you know. But uh, man, the guy's like super smart, super like he can figure out anything. Just uh-huh. he's just a beast, you know. He can just do so much, you know. But he looks like he's just. <laughs> <laughs> your gifts are your gifts are your gifts, right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what you look like or what you do. It's crazy. It's like my guy, Richard, that I work with, you know, my developer. So amazing. You know, I've never met him in person. Isn't that funny? Oh, really? Never met him in person. But he's worked with me for like 12 years. Wow. The guy just is unbelievable. Yeah. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. It's just amazing, you know. But yeah, so like unconscious incompetence is where most of the world exists. Unconscious incompetence. Mm. They don't know that they don't know. Right. And they're ignorant. That doesn't mean that they're stupid. They just don't know that right. they can move their lives to a new place. Right. So once they get that inkling, then you become a conscious incompetent. So you're trying to change your life. You're right. working on your paradigms. You're making everything happen, conscious incompetent. And then, and, and it's frustrating. And that's where the terror barriers hit. That's where the this isn't working stuff hits. You forget that the law of gender has its own law when things are going to happen. You know, you try to set your time frame, but you've got to let the universe have its way with whatever's going on, making things all fall into play for you. And then conscious competent is where you kind of got it dialed in. You're feeling good. You're seeing some results. You're like, okay, okay, I got to keep, keep working on it. And I, I feel really like that's where I am most of the time, conscious competent, because I'm constantly working on this, keeping it in my mind. And then unconscious competent is where it just flows. You just are there. You know, and it's I and that's really where we all want to be, where you're just moving through your day and it's it's just flow. Just flow. And you're changing so many lives around you because of that. Just flow. Like yeah. That. I love it too. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah. We can talk about this for days. Yeah, we'll talk again. <laughs> we'll talk again. And uh Yeah. keep it going keep it going yeah you too yeah yeah it's great great being in your circumference thank you thank you dan thank you for everything thank you